Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. Good Monday morning. The battle over abortion rights intensifying this morning. Yeah, a major decision hanging in the balance. It's April 10th. This is today. In limbo, the fate of a widely used abortion pill up in the air after competing rulings from federal judges. One halting FDA approval, the other ordering it to stay on the market. Demonstrators on both sides taking to the streets. Will the Supreme Court settle it once and for all? We'll have the very latest. Top secret, growing fallout over the leak of highly classified government documents posted online, exposing national security secrets. The worst breach of its kind in a decade. This morning, the race to figure out who is behind it and why. Weather warm up, much of the nation set to enjoy soaring temperatures this week, stretching from the Southwest all the way to New England. Some spots 30 degrees above normal. Your full forecast and where the records will fall just ahead. Stepping out, a first for the royal family as Prince Louis makes his Easter debut. And the palace releases new details on the king's coronation, including the historic crown set to be worn by Charles and Camilla. We're live in London. And hopping to it, a time-honored tradition at the White House this morning, the annual Easter egg roll. And Al is there live today, Monday, April 10th, 2023. From NBC News. This is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Today. Nice to have you with us bright and early Monday morning. Hope you all had a beautiful Easter weekend. Easter's still going, though, is for it? one person. Okay, who's it's that? Al Roker. Okay. <laughs> Al Roker and some lucky kids at the White House this morning. The annual Easter egg roll is back on. Yeah, Al, this is part of Al's tradition. He's there to help kick off the festivities. We're going to check in with Al a little bit later. All right, but first, let's get to our top story, the intensifying showdown over abortion rights. Not even a year after Roe v. Wade was overturned, leaving it up to the states to determine whether abortions are legal, a federal judge has now issued a ruling that would halt the use of a commonly used abortion pill nationwide. Now, this is a case that could rise all the way to the Supreme Court. NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett, is here with the very latest. It all happened late Friday night. Laura, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. For weeks, many wondered how that judge in Texas would rule in the most significant case on abortion since Roe was overturned. But that judge, wasn't the only federal court that had something to say about a pill that's been on the market for 23 years. Two federal judges with conflicting rulings, leaving the fate of a widely used abortion pill in jeopardy this morning. A federal judge in Texas invalidated the FDA's longtime approval of the drug Mifepristone, but has given the Biden administration a week to appeal. The scientific judgments of the medical experts and those who did all the clinical research is now being questioned, second-guessed, by one judge in one state, in one court. At the same time, a different federal judge in Washington state ordering the FDA to keep the drug on the market. But that decision only applies to the 17 blue states in Washington, D.C. that sued over it. Some women like Brittany House now worry about access to the pill in blue states. I had the opportunity to do this from the comfort of my home. Brittany had just graduated from Howard University in D.C. when she got pregnant in the summer of 2012. She used mifepristone and worries others won't be able to access it as easily. 
It makes me angry. It makes me sad. The Texas decision, a clear victory for anti-abortion advocates, but most Republican lawmakers have stayed silent on the ruling. Meanwhile, the Justice Department moves swiftly to appeal the Texas decision Friday night. But some Democratic lawmakers say that's not enough, calling on the Biden administration to ignore the judge's order. The Secretary of Health and Human Services not ruling anything out. Are you taking it off the table that uh, you will recommend the FDA ignore a ban? Everything is on the table. Laura, we'll talk about that in a moment. But first, the Supreme Court. I mean, generally, um, the court will take a case when there's a conflict in the yeah. lower courts. And, and there is a conflict. Yeah, here. you have a direct conflict because of the Washington state order. Now, of course, that only applies to those 17 states. But at least in those 17 plus the District of Columbia states, you now have a directly conflicting order because of the Texas ruling. And so they're going to the FDA is going to say, how are we possibly supposed to comply with both? And that's why I think many are expecting it could go to Supreme Court pretty quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, could they fast track. Yeah, it. they could. Now that it's you know, essentially ripe, they could go straight to the Supreme Court. And that's just a strategic call for the Justice Department. You know, we heard uh, the Health and Human Services Secretary say at the end there in response to a question, could the FDA just ignore a court's ruling? Yeah. And he said everything is on the table. Yeah. That's rather astonishing for any government to suggest it might just ignore a court ruling. Usually you just go up and you you litigate your your piece in the courts. You don't ignore the courts. I was surprised to hear him say that, especially since the Justice Department has already filed its notice of appeal. They obviously want the Fifth Circuit to rule in their favor. But if the Fifth Circuit doesn't, there have been some legal scholars out there saying essentially the FDA could just ignore the ruling. But does the Biden administration really want to be in the position to do that after criticizing the Trump administration for years, uh, saying that they didn't follow the rule of law? Does the Biden administration really want to do that? I think that's something to keep your eye on. Yeah, it would set a precedent that could be disturbing as we go along. Laura, thank you very much. All right. Another major story. The growing fallout from what could be the biggest U.S. intelligence breach in a decade. A trove of classified documents posted online that appear to detail and expose national security secrets on everything from the war in Ukraine to China to the Middle East. NBC's justice and intelligence correspondent Ken Delanian is here with the latest. Ken, let's talk about these documents. First of all, how did they wind up online? Good morning, Hoda. As officials scramble to identify the source of the leak, these documents look like Pentagon briefing slides, and they include a lot of very sensitive reporting from the CIA and other intelligence agencies, including many reports labeled top secret. Most of them are about the Russia-Ukraine war, but there's also intelligence about Iran and even allies like Israel, South Korea, and France. Believe it or not, the open source intelligence agency Bellingcat says that one of the first places these documents appeared was on a video game chat server, of all places, devoted to the online sensation Minecraft. The Pentagon said last night that the documents appear to contain sensitive and highly classified material and that they stood up an interagency effort to assess the impact on national security. The images we've seen look like photos of printouts, but that itself could be a head fake to disguise how they were stolen. Well, why don't you put this in perspective to us? Um, how damaging is this to the United States? What kind of damage control is the government in right now? Yeah, look, this breach has been deeply embarrassing for the United States because it fuels perceptions around the world that our spy agencies just can't keep secrets. On the intelligence gathering front, the markings show that a lot of the information came from communications intercepts and other digital spying work. And any exposure of that is usually considered really harmful because our adversaries, such as Russia, might be able to figure out where it came from and shut it down. The Justice Department has launched a criminal investigation and they'll be looking into whether this was a hack, 
a leak, a Russian spying operation, or some combination of the three. Hoda? Yeah. All right, Ken, a lot of work to be done. Thank you, Ken. We move now to those escalating tensions and growing violence in the Middle East. Israel striking targets in Syria over the weekend following rare rocket fire from its neighbor. At the same time, the U.S. Navy moving to deploy an attack submarine to the region. NBC's Raf Sanchez is in Tel Aviv for us this morning. Raf, good morning. Savannah, good morning. It has been days of relentless violence across the Holy Land, starting in Jerusalem, spreading to the occupied West Bank, and then to Tel Aviv, where Friday night there was a deadly car ramming attack right here on the city promenade. This morning in Israel, a wary calm after an Easter weekend tainted by violence. Police say an attacker rammed his car into civilians in Tel Aviv, killing an Italian tourist, while Israel bombed targets in Syria in response to rocket fire. The U.S. sending a nuclear attack submarine to the region, calling it a deterrent to Iran. Across the Holy Land, funerals, first for a Palestinian man shot by Israeli troops, and then two Israeli sisters from a West Bank settlement killed by a Palestinian gunman on Friday. Their devastated father forced to deliver the eulogy for his children. Pope Francis calling for peace talks in a climate of trust and mutual respect. Amid the violence, we head to the flashpoint Palestinian city of Jenin, where Israeli troops and Palestinian militants fight gun battles in the streets. We're here to see members of the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade. This man gives his name only as Abu Mujahid, father of the fighter. We're here in the refugee camp to defend our people, he says. This is our right under international law. Israel says men like this are terrorists. They say they're defending their homeland, and the guns that they're using to do it with are made in the United States. The West Bank is awash with American guns supplied to Israel, then stolen or sold to Palestinians. This week, a Palestinian gunman killed two Israeli sisters, unarmed. What do you say to that? You're talking about a human being carrying a gun, a Palestinian man witnessing everyday occupation crimes against our people, he says. We consider it a normal action. An eye for an eye with no end to the bloodshed. And we met those gunmen in the northern West Bank in the same area today. There's going to be a major protest march put on by Israeli settlers and some far-right members of the Israeli government, which may be yet another spark for conflict. Savannah. All right, Raf Sanchez in Tel Aviv. Thank you. Here at home, a fatal police shooting in Akron, Ohio, is back in the headlines. A special grand jury set to begin hearing evidence this week on the death of 25-year-old Jalen Walker. It will decide if or any or all of the eight officers uh, involved will be criminally charged. And city officials are taking steps to guard against any possible unrest. NBC's Jesse Kirch is in Akron. Jesse, what do we expect today? Oda, good morning. This special grand jury selection comes after a more than nine-month investigation into Walker's death. You mentioned the 25-year-old was shot, according to officials, 46 times in an incident involving eight police officers who are now all on administrative duty. Police have said that there was a car chase. A shot came from the suspect vehicle, then a foot pursuit, and then finally... Walker was shot and killed. Officials have also said that a gun was found in his vehicle. And as you mentioned, this is a proceeding about figuring out if any of the officers could face trial. 
Seven of the nine special grand jurors that are impaneled will have to decide if they feel there is probable cause. Then an indictment could be issued, and then we could see a trial for any or all of the officers involved, Hoda. Yeah, Jesse, we remember the protests from last summer. Uh, what kind of security preps are underway? Yeah, you can see fencing up around a courthouse behind me here. There is a demonstration zone that has been designated for people to be able to express free speech and protest in the street without worrying about traffic. This community did face unrest after this incident in June of last year. And so we have already seen some people with windows boarded up here as well. But an emphasis from officials that they are hoping that these demonstrations will be peaceful, Hoda. Jesse Kirsch first there in Akron. Jesse, thank you. Much more to get to this morning, including new developments on the expulsion of those two Tennessee state lawmakers for protesting for stricter gun laws. Officials in Nashville are expected to vote to reinstate one of them today. NBC's Kathy Parks got the details on this. Kathy, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. We're expecting to see another round of political fireworks here in Nashville as we wait to see what happens to those ousted state representatives. Both of the Justins, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, have vowed to get back to work. And now we're just hours away from a critical vote for one of them. This morning, two expelled Tennessee lawmakers are fighting back, determined to be reinstated. This moment where our democracy is at stake. Today, the Nashville Metro Council could vote to reappoint Justin Jones in a special meeting. A majority of its members indicated they want their representative to reclaim his seat in the Tennessee legislature. The Tennessee House Republicans' attempt to crucify democracy has instead resurrected a movement led by young people to restore our democracy. Officials in Justin Pearson's district plan to hold their own discussions on reappointment Wednesday afternoon. But Pearson saying his district faces potential retaliation if he gets reappointed. I've already heard that people in uh, the state legislature and in Nashville are actually threatening our Shelby County commissioners to not reappoint me or they're going to take away funding. If reappointed, they would hold the interim position until a special election is held. The two men and Gloria Johnson, known as a Tennessee Three, faced expulsion after rallying for stricter gun control measures on the House floor, a move the Republican majority called a breach of decorum and House rules. Following the political showdown, only Johnson held onto her seat by one vote. It might have to do with the color of our skin. Republican lawmakers say this was not about race. But Pearson says there's a history of tension within the Tennessee General Assembly and felt targeted ever since he was elected. It has always been a toxic work environment to work in the Tennessee state capitol. When you have people who make comments about hanging you on a tree and hanging black people on a tree as a form of capital punishment. As the nation watched the political fallout in Nashville... Vice President Harris made a surprise visit, praising the lawmakers for their actions. It wasn't about the three of these leaders. It was about who they were representing. It's about whose voices they were channeling. Now, if Justin Jones is reappointed by the Nashville Metro Council later on today, the political battle isn't over. The special election comes next and a date has not yet been set. Meanwhile, we're expecting another round of rallies here in Nashville right before that vote. Savannah. All right, Kathy Park in Nashville for us. Thanks, Kathy. 7.15, time for our first check of the weather. Al is not in studio with us. He is on the road. He's at the White House for the annual Easter egg roll. Hey, Al. I'm looking snazzy. Oh, guys, this is one of my... 
Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, happy day after Easter to you guys and to you as well at home. This is one of my favorite events of the year. The uh, annual Easter egg roll here on the South Lawn of the White House. 145 years they've been doing this since President Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, 30,000 hard-boiled eggs and these commemorative wooden eggs with the First Lady and President's uh, signature on them and Commando, Commander and Willow, their dog's uh, uh, signatures and paws on them as well. Awfully cool. So let's take a look, though. It's a little chilly here this morning uh, here in the Northeast. We've got 33 million people under frost advisories, freeze warnings. Right now, temperatures in the 30s and low 40s from Pittsburgh down to Asheville, Raleigh and Norfolk. But guess what? Big changes coming for much of the country. Huge ridge of high pressure builds from coast to coast. Milder weather on tap. Highs this week, 15 to 30 degrees above average. Look at these temperatures. Dozens of record highs expected over the next several days. For today, we're looking at 78 in Boise, almost 90 in Las Vegas, 72 in St. Louis, 70 in Cincinnati. Tomorrow, that warmth moves east. New York City going to be 75 degrees. That's 15 degrees above average. Dodge City, 82. Sioux Falls near 80. And look at late this week. Are you ready for 80 in Boston on Friday? How about 83 in New York City? Here in D.C., flirting with 90 degrees and 70s as you get into Cincinnati. Numerous record highs on Friday. Guys, between now and this afternoon, 30,000 kids will be rolling hard-boiled Easter eggs. And guess what? Just off camera, there's a huge vat of mayonnaise and paprika. So we're going to be making a lot of egg salad. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope, they, hope the White House didn't have um, Hoda's Easter egg boiling recipe. Remember don't, when you... Oh, we don't want to get into it. We're yeah. not going to... Re- no, uh-oh. it's not research. Well, she, t- she taught oh, me do, how to hard-boil an egg. Do tell. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. It was yolks everywhere. That's you know all what? I'm going to say. I oh. thought I had the right amount of time. <laughs> Main takeaway is that we don't. neither one of us knows how to boil yeah, an egg. No. All right, Al, thank you. We'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> okay, guys. Coming up, speaking of Easter, the Royals stepped out in their Easter finery, looking ahead to next month's coronation, of course. And NBC's Molly Hunter is in London for us. Hi, Molly. Savannah, good morning to you. That's right. We saw almost the whole royal family together. It was much sunnier weather over the weekend, and we've got new details about the coronation coming right up. All right, Molly, thank you. But first, this is today on NBC. Yolks and rock. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back now, 7.30. You're looking at the star of the weekend box office, the Super Mario Brothers movie, raked in, get this, nearly $150 million in the first five days of its U.S. release. That, by the way, the highest grossing opening for any video game-based movie ever. Wow. It's a $377 million haul worldwide, the biggest opening of any movie this year. Wait, what? I know. I was reading some of the trades this morning. They're like, did this save the animated movie for theaters? And so people are super fired up. And we helped out. We bought 11 tickets. You know you did? The entire Yamas family. (laughs) 11 Yamases. 11 Yamases watching Super Mario Brothers. That's that's a lot of popcorn. A lot of Yamases, a lot of popcorn. (laughs) But it was great. The movie, it's a 10. We recommend it. It's really fun. So fun. fun. All right. Well, we have a busy half hour ahead, starting with the royal family back in the spotlight. Yeah, they gathered yesterday for the first Easter Sunday service since the Queen's passing and just weeks ahead of King Charles's coronation. And this morning, we're learning more about what to expect during that celebration. Yeah, NBC's Molly Hunter is in London for us this morning. Hey, Molly, good morning. Hey, guys, good morning to you. That's right. Really special to see the whales is out there with their children. Got to say, it was sunny yesterday for Easter Sunday, hoping for better weather come May. But we did get some more details about what exactly King Charles's coronation will look like. Take a look. The royal family gathered for Easter Sunday, the first since Queen Elizabeth's passing. All decked out in blue, Kate, the Princess of Wales, hand-in-hand with her four, almost five-year-old son, Louis. George in a suit, looking very grown up, and Charlotte offering a little wave to the crowd. After Easter services, the palace releasing new details about the May 6th coronation of King Charles. I think many aspects of the coronation are designed to reflect what sort of king Charles wants to be. The invitations, of course, going out, listing his wife Camilla as queen instead of queen consort for the first time. We've learned there will be two processions. The first, the king's procession, the monarch leaving Buckingham Palace in the Diamond Jubilee State Coach, heading down the Mall along Parliament Street and arriving at Westminster Abbey. At 11 a.m., the Archbishop of Canterbury will begin the ceremony, and just like the Queen's coronation back in 1953, the public will be able to watch as the new British sovereign is crowned alongside Queen Camilla in a deeply religious service. It's filled with national identity, um, symbolism, propaganda. It's rooted in our history, and I think that that is what makes it important now, and it's why people still very much feed into it, and they want it to happen, they're excited about it. Camilla will wear Queen Mary's crown, and for Charles, first the imperial state crown made for King George VI coronation. Then he'll use the St. Edward's crown at the end of the service, famously heavy, weighing more than five pounds, and that crown now fashioned into an emoji. Leaving Westminster, the coronation procession in the gold state coach, which has been used in every coronation since 1831. A large parade back to Buckingham Palace, where much to the public's delight, and where we've seen them so many times before, the monarch and members of the royal family will make an appearance on the balcony. Well, let's pick up right there, that famous balcony. So do you know which royal family (laughs) members will be there? Well, and which ones won't be there, Hoda? We are still asking those questions. Of course, the big question is whether Meghan and Harry, maybe with their children, make the trip over with four weeks to go. They are keeping us guessing. We do not have confirmation yet. Hoda? 
Oh, thank you. That's a big surprise. Yeah. yeah. We have to wait and see. <laughs> Still ahead, an interesting item to debate on Popstar. Think about this. What were the big pop culture moments that defined the COVID era? Mm. Taylor Swift's album, Folklore. For, For me, sure. that's just yeah. my own yeah. answer. Okay, but first, the weather. We are back 739 with a check of the weather. Al spending the morning there in Washington, D.C. at the annual White House Easter egg roll. Hey, Al. Oh, hey, we got some. <laughs> that's right. We've got some friends with us here. Uh, we've got the Bunny family. We've got uh, Papa Bunny, Mama Bunny, and and Bunny Junior. And and if you guys listen, you hear some of that chirping in the background. Well, this is this is really cool. They actually have uh, uh, audible eggs for kids who will be looking for those Easter eggs uh, for kids who are sight impaired. So oh. you can hear that beeping. So that's that's really very Sweet. nice and really inclusive. Uh, uh, just some of the 30,000 eggs that are going to be rolled on the south lawn of the White House here. Let's show you what's going on. The weather here is gorgeous, but down uh, through the Gulf, maybe not quite so much over the next 72 hours. We've got showers and thunderstorms that are going to be firing up throughout central and southern Florida. And today that moisture moves in from the Atlantic. We've got a marginal flood risk from Miami to Jacksonville. And then as we move into the week, you're going to see this surface low developing in the Gulf of Mexico. So rain and storms will advance to the northwest, bringing some heavy rain from New Orleans all the way to Miami, some places picking up to three inches of rain. Guys, the theme for this year is education. And uh, we're going to be talking about that <laughs> you like it? There, there are plenty yeah. of egg puns here, but that's the yeah. best one yet. Uh, Eggucation. We're going to be talking about that coming up in the next half hour. Thank okay. you. All, All right. right. Thanks, Al. Thank you. Coming up, what, still waiting to file your taxes? Yeah. Well, there's eight days left. We're going to break down the deadlines and some last-minute tips you'll need to know coming up after this. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. 